0: Tennis fans, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. I'm Ben Lewis. Mike McIntyre is off for the week, but we are getting ready. For the oldest and perhaps the most prestigious tennis tournament in the world, the 134th edition of the Wimbledon Championships begins this week. And I'm happy to be joined by a pair of guests who have a rapidly growing podcast of their own. Uh, Ben and JG of the Game to Love podcast are here. Guys, uh, thanks so much for joining us on Matchpoint Canada. I know I came on your podcast, I think the other year, so glad to have you on uh, with me.
1: Hey, how are you doing, mate? Really great to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Happy to happy to talk some tennis with you. I I know you guys have been breaking down Wimbledon uh, on your streams on YouTube and and on Instagram, which was great. And uh, I wanted to start with the men's field. And I I think obviously you guys have been talking uh, about what I would call the top storyline for the men's field is uh, Novak Djokovic, the quest for grand slam number 20 and uh, I'll start with you JG and and your thoughts uh, just looking at his at his draw early going Um, and I'm personally (laughs) struggling to find anybody who's really going to stop him here maybe prior to the quarters or semis but this looks like a very comfortable draw for for Djokovic in this tournament especially for the first week I would say I I think
2: it's really comfortable as you say Uh, Thanks for having us on as well, Ben. Uh, It's a pleasure as always. I know we spoke Mm -hmm. last year, but great to be back on such a great podcast, which you've been doing. You've been doing great work. Um, but, But with Djokovic, it is just looking inevitable. I'm looking at the draw. I don't see people who can really stop him. He's in the form of his career. He's off the high of just winning Roland Garros, beating Rafael Nadal. This is Wimbledon. He's, he, he wins Wimbledon at ease, usually. <laughs> um, it just all looks to be pointing in that direction, I must admit. And I think now as well, with the Golden Slam on the horizon, you can see what he's done already. He's winning one, two slams already. We've got uh, the Olympics as well. It just is looking so good for him. And he's going to have a lot of drive as well, especially trying to get to that 20 grand slam mark, equaling Federer and, and Nadal. There's just so much at stake. I just don't think when there's so much at stake, he's the type of guy to let the opportunity fall by the wayside. And if I'm honest, looking at some of the other competitors, you look at the main sort of pack who are always sort of chasing him, and the likes of Sitter Pass teams not not going to be playing. Uh, you've got Zverev, Rublev. These guys, you just I'm not so keen on them on the grass. If I'm honest, you can see last year and well, not last year, the last edition of Wimbledon in 2019, a lot of them went out early early doors. And they don't fill me with much confidence on this surface. If you're looking at experience, probably the one with the big experience is going to be Roger Federer. And based off what we've seen from him as well, it's not looked great, if I'm honest. He was playing probably better uh, on the clay courts in Roland Garros. It's a bit of a mystery why he pulled out in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. And I, you hit on a good point because Wimbledon is the one of the four slams here, where, as you said, sort of the next generation has not really figured out this surface. No. And obviously part of that is lack of experience and you missed last year. So they didn't have that opportunity for the 2020 season. Um, but we haven't seen a run from a Tsitsipas, a Rublev, a Zverev, or a Medvedev on this grass court yep. surface. Um, and, and it's hard to gauge like, what can they do on this surface? Surface. ben i know daniel medvedev just won a tournament on grass so so yep. seemingly that will improve his confidence here is he on your radar as someone who can make a run here is it ct pass can can any of them do damage
1: well uh, i think it's a very very good point uh, it's something we've spoken about in length on the pod on our podcast as well daniel medvedev i think he had a shaky start to the grass court season. He obviously lost to Jan-Leonard Struff in straight sets. But since then, I think it, he's just warming up. And as you can see, uh, when he was playing in Mallorca, he's just gradually... Uh, it's like a snowball effect, I think, with Daniel Medvedev. When he starts getting confidence, he's a real confidence-form player. And he's just won the tournament there. I think he comes into Wimbledon with a lot of confidence now. No Nadal, no Dominic Thiem. Tsitsipas hasn't played on grass yet this year. I think he's going to be sort of a heavy favorite for the for the bottom side of the draw. If I'm honest, yep. I I know that we've got Chilich there. He could meet Chilich in the third round. That could be a potential banana skin. But I've just got a feeling that he has he's got a mentality these days, Medvedev, that he can get to Grand Slam finals now. And yep. I think that he's one step away from just grabbing that Grand Slam. Uh, similar to Sitipat as well but I just, I haven't seen pass on the grass yet. That's the main thing.
0: Yeah, that is, that is the challenge. It's funny with Medvedev in this draw. I, I look at it and I say, maybe he could make quarters and and uh, push a great challenge against Roger Federer to make the semis. And then I look at his first round match and I think this is one of the toughest draws of any of these top seeded players. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe I, it? I... He draws Jan Leonard Struff <laughs> in the first round, the guy who beat him on the surface
2: it is super tough it is super tough for medvedev he's the one though who, out of the group we've mentioned who I'm most encouraged by based off what he's just done in Mallorca. i thought that was really impressive i don't know if you saw that like um, that shot what was behind him the ball was sort of it was like a, in the highlight reel it was really incredible he he does have that in his in his locker room he, he, he's able to pull off these spectacular shots. And as Ben said, he's the one who's got sort of the Grand Slam experience now. What, two Grand Slam finals? Granted, he lost both of them. One of them was a bit closer in the US Open. I think he's able now to push on and do things on the big stage. I think mentally he's a bit stronger than some of the others as well. And if he can get through his tough draw, meeting maybe a Chilich or an obviously Struth first round, then he's the one to watch, I think. And that's the one who probably, if not Nick Kyrgios... Uh, Djokovic is going to be looking over his shoulder about.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point. Um, Moving on to another next-gen player, and and it's a possible quarterfinal for Novak Djokovic if he can get there. And I want to say his form coming into Wimbledon is strong. He made the finals of the Halle Open, obviously playing good tennis. And you could see the frustration and disappointment in Andre Rublev's eyes when he lost that final to Ugo Umber. Um, We haven't seen um you know a deep grand slam run from Rublev on grass surely he would be very disappointed for what happened at Roland Garros obviously after a good clay court lead up but uh do you think he can kind of take care of business here and you know potentially set up that showdown with with Novak in the quarters and maybe give him a run I'll start with you Ben
1: well it's a very very good question Andre Rublev We've seen him fall by the wayside a little bit in these grand slams going into the big rounds. I think he has a nice first-round match to warm up. That's all I'll say. Uh, Delbonis Clay Quarter, I think if he can get, a really good, like, get into the swing of things on that first match, he should be able to take out potentially Lloyd Harris, I think, in the second round. It could be Fanini. That's always a tricky one if he's playing his best tennis. But Yannick Sinner is another unknown entity. It's we don't know if Sinner going to be even going as far as the the third or fourth round. But I think Rublev, if he puts the whole game together and he has that hard court form, I think he could uh, get get through to face Djokovic. But I just don't see him troubling Djokovic. That's the problem. I don't see the only person that I can see even coming close to troubling a Djokovic would be probably a, a Federer or. May I say, a Medvedev, maybe, if he's on a really, really big... I, I don't play.
2: think Federer can trouble him now. I think probably the man you're looking at is Berrettini. Obviously, maybe. what, what yeah, he's no. doing. I don't want to jump ahead. I'll, I'll focus on Rublev now. I know that was no, what no, the no. question That's was. Fair point. <laughs> I think Berrettini is the man. But with Rublev, he's got to get past Sinner, I believe, in that little bracket. Um, I believe they're sort of on a, on a cross-court sort of meet. If mm-hmm. that is the case, I wouldn't be surprised if Sinner was to beat him, if I'm honest. I think he's capable... But then Rublev would be the favourite. And I, I'm not sure about his credentials, either I echo what Ben said, against someone like a Djokovic. I'm just not sure if he's there. He's not shown enough in the big occasions. He's the king of the 250s, or I think it's the 500s. 500, yeah. The ATP 500s, Rublev can win most of them. It doesn't matter what surface it's on. When it gets to Masters, or playing any other Russians, or any big time, Rublev just seems to fall, fall down slightly, which is a shame for him. Um, so it's going to be tough. And I think Sinner... He could be a dark horse who we should watch out for. Well, mate, I think we need to put
1: more praise on the fact that Ugo Umber took him out in straight sets in Hala final. He won Haller. He, he even entered Majorca and came back from a set down to beat Kekmanovic and then decided to pull out the competition to save himself for Wimbledon, which I think that's a scary prospect. Obviously, he's playing Nick Kyrgios, but I think if he gets past him, he could go on a storming run in this tournament, Ugo Umber. And yeah. I, that's one people need to be talking about more for me.
0: No, certainly. Uh, Ugo Umber was... Uh, I, I kind of penciled him in as a potential dark horse coming into this tournament. But th- then again, I, I sort of viewed him like a bit like a Daniil Medvedev of saying, like, could you... Uh, possibly write up a worse first round draw for this guy. We know (laughs) what kind of tennis Nick Kyrgios is capable of. We know he loves the spotlight. And I think Kyrgios loves the fact that it's an incredibly difficult first round opponent. I think Nick Kyrgios would rather be playing Ugo Umber than a qualifier in the first round. He lives for these matches. So it, it looks like a scenario to me where, he, oh, okay, maybe Umber could, could push for a quarterfinal, but he could be going home after day one of this tournament. Um, and that that match is very interesting because it's a rematch of the Australian Open, which obviously went five sets between those two players. Um, another kind of coin flip match, uh, that you know, I, I want to get back, JG, to, to mentioning Matteo Berrettini because, as you said, he's, he's definitely, I think, finally on the radar of everybody as, as a potential threat. He made quarterfinals at the French Open. He got a set-off Novak Djokovic there. Um, I was quite high on Berrettini, obviously, seeing the way he played Queens Club, getting that title there. I was struck by comments from Andy Murray after Murray lost to Berrettini, though, that he felt that there was still something missing from his game to be a Grand Slam contender. And I I don't know what aspect that is. Maybe it's, I I feel like his movement is slightly behind maybe the other top 10 guys, but uh, you think of sort of big game lending to the grass court surface, surely he can go pretty far at this tournament. I think, Like you just said, he took a set off off Djokovic at at Roland Garros recently, and
2: that's on clay courts. He's a good clay quarter, no doubt. He's Italian, he's got that that in his roots. But I think his game is not really suited to that as much. He's a big serve, and his forehand off the first serve is one of the best in in tennis, in my opinion. I think he's a sheer power player. On the grass, you'd think it would just be perfect. It's like a match made in heaven, because Mm -hmm. the ball's going to bounce off the surface a lot faster, and he's going to have... In theory, um, them, them forehands, they're going to be very difficult to deal with. I think it's going to have a lot of one, two punches. He ha- doesn't have to rally much, just like he did at Queen's. And he can sort of power people off the court quite quickly. Um, and it, before they know it and before they've found any rhythm in, into getting into a game, they'll probably find themselves down set setting a break. I think he's really capable of doing that and shocking opponents. Uh, so that's why I'm putting Berrettini as one of my biggest threats for this year's Wimbledon. I think Queen's was great. With what Andy Murray's saying, um, I don't know. It's hard. Obviously, I don't want to over question Andy Murray. Sir Andy Murray, as I should say. He (laughs) knows a lot more about tennis than what I do, no doubt. But I'm not sure what he's talking about in this regard because I think Berrettini has all the makings to be a Grand Slam champion. And he's shown already what he's done against the very best at at Roland Garros. He, He put Djokovic under a lot of pressure, massive amounts of pressure. I thought he was awesome. And not just that, he's just getting better and better for me. I think he had a little period where... Um, he played. I think it was Rafael Nadal US Open of of the year before, and yep. he was he was a bit rough in that one. I must admit, it wasn't the greatest of showings. And then he's just sort of from then just got better and better. And whereas Hatchinov's fallen off. Berrettini's sort of taken his space and gone a lot higher, in my opinion. So he's the, he's the one to really watch. I think this this win would have. Well, I think I, I I
1: agree with you as well. In I think there's something this year that's clicked with certain players as well. I think that this is like we've seen with Sittapas probably playing his best tennis of his career. We saw Berrettini obviously won that title in Belgrade and then has sort of carried on from there. Really? He's looked really great. And grass is much, I don't know. I think I'd much prefer him on the grass. I had looked back uh, since 2019. I think he's only lost. I think he's won 17 and only lost two matches on grass. So I think his only losses were to Roger Federer at Wimbledon. And that was pretty convincing. And this might be what Murray is talking about. When he comes up against the big, big guns, is he still going to be firing? Because these guys return so well, is he still going to be in the rally to be able to finish it off when it gets to five, six, seven, eight shots? Because that's when I see him struggle sometimes when the yeah. rallies get longer. If he doesn't manage to put... Because Djokovic, you know what he's like. That ball's coming back at least two or three four times mm-hmm. and can you put it away and he grind he'll grind you down but Berrettini if he's serving well I, I think he wipes a lot of players off the court on grass yeah yeah, yeah
0: you, you make a good point that there might be just an element missing against those kind of top five to six guys who as you said are going to make the extra three four balls will he have enough in his game to dismantle them. And I I think as, as you said, his improvement this year has been enormous. And uh, actually a couple of years ago, I'm recalling him winning a a grass court title. I believe it was at Stuttgart uh, beating Felix oje Yassim in a tight final there. Um, And, and I'll use that as a segue to get to a couple of our Canadians because uh, Felix oje Yassim obviously stole plenty of headlines, getting that win over Roger Federer a couple of weeks ago on the grass. And he's been playing very good tennis would be great to see him finally maybe win a final uh, we haven't seen that yet. Oh, and eight, but nevertheless, he's still playing great tennis. And, um, I, I, think he was obviously let down by the clay court season, but he's kind of flipped the switch quickly. What do you make of maybe his draw here? He opens against Tiago Montero, the Brazilian potentially Sanga in the second round. And and then he's kind of in that bracket with, uh, maybe that, that curious Umbear matchup in the third round. What, what do you make of his chances?
2: I fancy him early rounds. Um, I think ultimately it's going to come down to the Umba uh, Kyrgios one. Whoever wins that, I think, would probably be a favourite, in my opinion. I'm sorry to say against Felix. But then Felix, early rounds, is, is sometimes a world beater. That's when he plays his best tennis. The, the issue for him, it seems to be very much mental. Like He struggles in the finals. I think he's had, I forget the exact amount of finals now, but a lot of them have been against tough, tough opposition. Uh, but there's been a few which I think he could have done slightly better showing. I know recently he lost to Chilich. No harm, really. Chilich is a great grass quarter, but I think there's something missing. And I, the one thing I would say, it was nice to see him actually win a final in the doubles.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's a good point.
2: I was hoping after that he would then sort of break the duck a little bit and be, oh, you know what? I can get this over the line now. I can do this. But it just hasn't been the way. Um, if I'm honest, I didn't have him. We did a bracket league on, on Game to Love, and I didn't have him actually advancing out of that section. I had uh, um, But then I think Ben had Omba. So we're both probably yep. similar in that regard. But Felix is cer- certainly capable. He really is. Because I think he... Maybe grass is probably his be- one of his best surfaces, if I'm honest. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Felix uh,
1: Ojala. seem he obviously beat Umber first in Stuttgart this year, and then it looked like Umber just turned the tables. On. It was close though, seven five in the uh, third set tiebreak, which uh, I was super impressed by both players in that match. I think he could have potentially gone on to a uh, to, to maybe do bigger things in Haller as well. If, he, if he'd have won that, he might have got to another final. Who knows? But I think he showed good grass court form, beat Federer. That's no easy thing in Haller as well. That's sort of Federer's wheelhouse. That's why he pulled out of Roland Garros, really. So he was like prepping for Wimbledon. This was going to be the tournament. If Federer had won that tournament, everyone had been saying, oh, he's going to grab number 21, surely. He put a, put a stop to it. And from a set down as well. So he hmm. showed... Mental resolve there. Beat Hubert Hercatch as well. That's no easy match on grass. But Hugo Umbear, I think they could... I'm looking forward, and that's the match I hope we see again in the third round. Umbear versus Felix.
0: Yeah, I, I would love to see that matchup. And um, you mentioned, yeah, mentally, uh, we, we've talked about his struggles in the past. And obviously, I, I think there is a bit of a, a mental weight on Felix's shoulders when it comes to those ATP finals. Once it starts building up, I've lost five of them, six of them, and and now it's, it's eight total. But I, I am impressed with how quickly he was able to flip his game. Leaving the clay and coming on the grass because he he really endured a bad clay court season, um, crashed out of Wimbledon in the first round and uh, you you could sense his confidence was low. But to be able to turn around that quickly, he's made now two finals in Stuttgart. And as you said, that lost to Umber is seven six in the third set, so he's right there. He beats the greatest grass court player of all time. So surely that's a confidence booster there. Um, I think it's going to be important for him to finally enter a grand slam here, feeling confident and feeling really good about his game, which was not the case on clay. Um, but as you said, that's a tough draw. Third round is going to be very interesting if he gets there, whether you have on whether you have curios, I don't think we're going to have somebody else there. So I am looking forward to that matchup and, and maybe the winner there potentially against uh, Alexander Zverev in the, in the fourth round, uh, I'll shift over to uh, another Canadian. And I would say he has a bit more of a favorable draw than Felix is uh, Dennis Shapovalov. And he's a former Wimbledon junior champion. To me, his quick strike game, his, his big lefty serve definitely plays well into the grass courts, and uh, he'll open against a veteran, Philip Kohlschreiber. I, I feel like a lot of Canadians are kind of waiting for the breakout moment for Denis Shapovalov this season. I mean, he made the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open last year, but it feels like progress is maybe kind of stagnated. Obviously, we had to letdown that he couldn't play Roland Garros after uh, making a final on a clay court. Uh, tournament in Geneva so maybe an opportunity is here for him at Wimbledon
2: certainly certainly I think Shapovalov is one of the most exciting Canadian players Uh, he sells the tickets in my opinion he's someone who you'd want to go watch he's exciting the backhand's special I love the little jumping shots at the net as well he's just a special player the problem is for me it's sometimes it looks too good it doesn't get results um, and he needs to focus on finding a way to win. Rather than just looking great in highlight reels, Um, I think he can get there, no doubt about it. And I think even showing on the clay courts, he looked great on on clay this year, which um, is really impressive for for him. I think he came close against almost beating Rafa Mm -hmm. um, in one of the events. On grass, he's not been too bad as well. I know he beat Feliciano Lopez at Queens, uh, and Lopez does so well there. Let's see how he gets on. I know you were saying it's not, it's quite a nice draw, but I think Cole Schreiber. I just He's an hes an old comer, mate. He's been on the tour yeah. for a while. He's experienced. He's a bogey player. He's not someone you want to play first round. I That's think true. there could be shocks on the card there, but I've got Shapovalov going through because I'd love to see it. I think the crowd will be supporting him as well uh, because they, they'll always get behind the flair player.
1: Yeah, I i, I think it's, it's a very nasty draw for him, uh, if I'm honest. I know that he can do it. Uh, Cole Schreiber, a seasoned veteran, I expect if Shapovalov serves well, that he goes through pretty comfortably there. I think it's all just down to he's a confidence player, uh, Shapovalov. As soon as that serves going, he doesn't get in his own. You can see he starts giving the fist pump and he starts looking to the box and he he's a like a means business when he gets going. He's a horrible player to play. I think he he'll get past the first two rounds pretty comfortably if I'm honest, if he serves him well. Uh, and then I have him playing Basilashvili. And I think that could be a real epic match. Basilashvili is having an amazing year. After last year, absolute terrible year. I think he lost 12 in a row. he mm-hmm. uh, was having off-the-court troubles. I think that could be a real battle. And either player could win that one. Uh, I think Chapeau's got the serve, though. And on grass, if he's, if he's serving well, I think we could be seeing Chapeau. He could even could even make a quarter here, I think, potentially.
0: Yeah, I I would love to see that. It's curious, again, like Nicholas Bastelashvili, he's playing Andy Murray in that first round. And to me, that almost feels like a bit of a coin flip matchup obviously murray is is going to have the crowd so strongly behind him can he build off that and get momentum and get a victory possibly um but very tough draw for him and then yeah if dennis can overcome that third round against say murray or basilevili then you're talking about um riley opelka potentially coming up in the the round of 16 which is tough so maybe okay who sorry
1: or Batista Agut. Uh, or Batista
0: Agut, another, you know, former semi-finalist at Wimbledon. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's it's very difficult. Um, but I, I think it's feasible for him to, to make a run here. And, and we want to see uh, our Canadians playing in the second week. We, we feel like you're getting yeah. other young players having those breakthroughs. You see the strides that Pass has made over the past couple of seasons, that Medvedev has obviously made. And, and some point in time, you know, it's going to be a moment for either Felix or Dennis to do it here at, at Wimbledon. Um, before we wrap up on the men's side, maybe a couple other dark horse names that are on your radar. Um, you know, normally people are leaning towards the big servers, Riley Opelka, I think for some people might be a, a dark horse pick. In fact, um, JG, do you have anybody in mind that you have maybe making a surprise quarterfinal run run or, or a deep run that we wouldn't anticipate? You've said it. Mine was Riley Apelka. I'm not just saying it on the on the yeah. on the
2: podcast we did the other day. That was my dark horse. I had him the re, the way we do it is 20 seed or below needs to be out of that bracket. And then you can pick them as a dark horse. He's the 27th seed. And Apelka is my man. I've got him going quite far. In fact, I've got him heading the section. I've actually got him, unfortunately for you, beating a chapo I've got Chapeau beating Murray. Um, th- there's a lot of possibilities. I actually I'm hoping Murray has a little bit of a run just on him but I don't think he's going to beat Chapeau. Um, but, but with a Pelka, I, I think every Wimbledon, there's always a big server who can do and push on. Like it's sort of known for that in the past. We've seen John Isner do well at Wimbledon. We've seen uh, Raonic, we've seen Kevin Anderson uh, and many other big names as well who, who, who do very well there. And I think, especially with people who don't have as much match practice on the grass, if he's serving well, I think a lot of better players than him tech- technically just won't be able to get past it. He could potentially do the tie break, um, break wins where he's just getting matches done in tie breaks and close one breaks here and there if he needs to. And that's why for me, he's a dark horse. I, I expect him to go quite far this year.
1: Well, there's one that I haven't, it's all dependent really on which sitter pass turns up in this tournament for me, whether this, this guy could really be uh, a, a contender i'd say he's he's obviously just been playing super well alex de menor he he's got quite a nice draw and uh he would face well he's got quarter in the first round if he gets through quarter i think he could make a nice little run he'd have a, a one of two qualifiers in the second round then he could have potentially dan evans in the third round then he could have potentially Tsitsipas, but I don't know if Citipas is going to be there or not. He's might have to play Pospisil, TFO might. You don't know. He went out, didn't he? First, first round last time he played, I believe in Wimbledon, to Fabiano, Fabiano. Yeah. In five. So Tsitsipas, he's got a lot to prove. I think, I think he can do it, but if he doesn't, I think Alex de Manor, he's on a run at the moment. He's been winning constantly on grass. So if he gets all the way through, he could beat Dan Evans, could beat, whoever is the sitter a pass little section there, then you could face potentially Basilashvili or Shapovalov, and then it's all up for grabs. Could be into a, I think that's a semi-final after that. It's not a bad section if if results go right for you. Yeah, Michael.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And uh, thanks with a shout out to Canadian Vasek Pospisil, who is is, honestly, he is very, very dangerous on grass. I I think he's an opponent you don't want to deal with on the surface. Former Wimbledon quarterfinalist. He's won a title in doubles. So, um, you know, you want to look, far ahead with Tsitsipas and think, oh, can he make a run to maybe the semifinals and test Djokovic? There is a lot of trouble early in his draw as well. First off the bat with Tiafo, who's a great competitor, and then potentially Vashik in a, a very interesting second round match if, if Pospisil takes care of his first round match. Um, we'll wrap on the men's side. I, I already sense where you guys are going to go with your, your picks here, but what are your finals currently for the brackets and uh, who do you guys have winning this title? I'll start with you, JG. So my final, um,
2: you could say it's very boring, my final, because I've got the number one seed playing the number two seed. Um, okay. I, didn't, I didn't expect it to be that way. <laughs> I'll just clarify yep. on who that is. That's Novak Djokovic, Medvedev. It's just the way it sort of panned out. Um, I have Berrettini as one who's going to go very far. Maybe it's a semi-final, um, but I don't think he's going to be able to beat Medvedev personally. It could happen, and I would love to see Berrettini go all the way. So uh, that's my final, but he's like the third wheel for the, for the final. I've got okay. him just waiting in the stands on the bench just in case. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I like it, mate. Yeah, mate, we both went through the draw. We didn't, we didn't select it. And unfortunately, uh, I had the same. I have the exact same thing. I have a 1-2 final and I have Djokovic winning it. And I don't think, I don't think there's anyone who can stop him. I think that it's this year he's probably looking at this draw. He saw probably the US Open fall by the wayside last year when he got defaulted. And that was a prime opportunity for him to grab another Grand Slam. I don't think he lets the opportunities go again. No Rafa on the Dow, no Dominic team. He's got a nice draw. I think it's there for him to take if he wants it. And. I don't see the potential banana skin. I, uh, people say Rublev. I don't see it. Jack Draper, uh, first round. Well, mate, <laughs> that, that, that is more of a banana skin, I feel like, with all the British crowd on his side. But we saw what happened in Roland Garros. Even when you're two sets to love up against him, Massetti on his mm. favoured surface. So what happened for the next three sets? Barely won a game and then retired. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So that's what happens. You've got to do it over five. You can win two sets, but guaranteed, Djokovic still the favorite to win the match. So yeah, yeah,
0: no,
1: that's it's... enough said on that. I think
0: from, from my. <laughs> no, it's it's astonishing. Uh, Novak Djokovic's ability, I think, to to manage situations and matches too, where even in that final of Roland Garros, he's down two sets to love to Tsitsipas as someone who was watching, even at that point, I felt like it was a 50, 50 match. I, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't, I, you know, probably any other scenario thinking, Oh, Pass is about to win the French open. I was like, Oh, now, now it's a match. Basically. It was almost yeah. like Pass had to win the first two sets to have a chance, um, because Novak Djokovic so unbelievably tough mentally and, and managing these situations. And, uh, yeah, for me, he is the overwhelming favorite I'm mixing up and saying, we're getting a matchup with Roger Federer for the title. Um, Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think if Federer comfortably gets through the first week, that is when he can kind of turn the jets on. And that is going to be the major challenge, of course. Um, I, I think if he gets a matchup with Dino Medvedev, that'll be very, very difficult. And of course, can go either way. But um, I just remembered it two years ago. He, he had two match points to, to win this title. And I, I don't think his level is that far off of, of what it was then. So I, I think there's a possibility. And, you know, the fact that Nadal is not in this draw, Um, I I really think shakes things up. Maybe, maybe people didn't consider Nadal, like a a big Wimbledon favorite or anything like that, but he is always a danger and was in a a semifinal the the past two times of the the tournament. So with him out, it really shakes this draw, but I, I still think Federer can find a way to get back to the final. Um, you are it, listening. <laughs> all right. I you it, are yeah. listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. My guests this week are JG and Ben of the Game to Love podcast. And we will shift over to the women's field. And um, look, we, we talk about parody in the women's game all the time. Uh, I, I think we had the ultimate at Roland Garros in terms of parody, four brand new semifinalists, and then a brand new Grand Slam winner, Barbara. Krychikova and now we shift over to the grass court side of things for the women's field and look Ashbardi is our number one seed she's a dangerous grass court player you look at the bottom half of the draw Arena Sabalenka is the number two seed we're a little unclear of what she's capable of on the grass I guess just overview kind of big picture which players are you sort of looking at as you kind of slowly break down this job who can do damage who are you considering sort of the top threats if you had to break it down sort of to four or five names which is very difficult to do mind you
1: wow
0: very very difficult um and uh, yeah sorry i I know with
2: with the with the men's it was a bit of a closed book (laughs) i must admit there was Mm. like a there's a there's a small group of people in the women's i've said it on the podcast on our one many times there's about 20 names um, who could win this year? I don't think that's being exaggerative at all. There's so many possible outcomes. I feel, and I think the Roland Garros sort of typified that with new quarter uh, semi finalists, a new yep. champion as well, somebody who's not even played much singles in their career to then be winning a grand slam. I think that just shows everything. Um, so with this one, if I had to pick some names, I think it's very tough, but there's a few who, I, who I'm really liking to. One of them, Ons Jabeur, to win a title on grass, looking very good. I think Coco Goff, she sort of made her name here at Wimbledon. She could be a big danger. Sabalenka with the serve as well. She's another one for me. Barty doesn't fill me with too much confidence. I think it's her worst slam out of all of them, if I'm honest, looking at the, looking at the win percentage here. Um, but saying that, she's the most consistent women's player on tour. That's why she's the world number one. And if her injury is okay, she's always going to be dangerous, whatever draw she's in. Um, but they're just some of the initial names that sort of spring to mind. Um, Serena of course being at Wimbledon is her wheelhouse she loves it here she's going for 24 so much on the line I would never write her off either No mate uh, I think where
1: we sort of differed on our views when we did our draw preview you were sort of shined towards towards the back end of the draw with the youth of tennis coming through and I sort of see this tournament being dominated by experience like the Kvitovas, the Serenas, the Svitolinas, and the, well, possibly Ostapenko if she continues her amazing form. This is a big if, (laughs) because we know Ostapenko, there's a lot of people been giving us a hard time in the comments since we said Ostapenko could make the semifinals, (laughs) because we know that she's like a loose cannon sometimes on the court. It could be going 100 winners, but it could be 100 unforced errors on the next next match. So if she continues playing well, she could be one to watch. Muguruza, she could make a a run here. She's obviously a former champ, so I, I'm i not seeing her on the grass, though, this year, playing any good tennis. But sometimes the experienced players turn up for the big events. But I think we're going to see some upsets, though, in this tournament as well in the first round. Agreed.
0: Yeah, I, I think you highlighted kind of the, what this women's field to me is really all about is sort of a push and pull here of this Wimbledon championships between veteran experience. And if they can kind of take the mantle over the first sort of week of play, or is the youth going to have a breakthrough or the new face is going to have a breakthrough. And um, it's very interesting. I look at Serena Williams, you know, she, she made the finals of Wimbledon, the last two times it was played 2018, 2019 And I look at her form now and I'm trying to decide, is she a better player now than when she was making those finals? And and I'm leaning towards maybe slightly. Yes, I I think she's moving better on the court. Um, She was pretty close at the Australian Open. And I look at how the draw has shaped up for her. And I would say this is the best opportunity she has maybe had. Ben, I see you maybe disagreeing.
1: I'm not (laughs) I'm not convinced. No, you're not convinced. I'm, I'm all for Serena Williams winning number 24. Sure. And I think if anyone has the mental willpower to win Wimbledon, she can do it on mental willpower alone, I think. She has the, the power. I don't think her draw's nice, though. I think she might have to play former champion Kerber in the third round if she gets there. Coco Goff potentially as well. That's the one everyone wants to see. I mean, yes. come on. The world will come to a stop if we get to see Coco, Golf Serena Williams.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. And uh, look, I, I wouldn't have considered Angie Kerber a major threat um, given her form probably since winning Wimbledon in 2018. Yeah. But now she is just coming off a title. So surely she's going to be entering this tournament with a lot of confidence as well. And that sort of highlights the fact that maybe veterans will sort of rule this tournament. So yeah, that's a potential very interesting third-round match Serena Williams, Angie Kerber. If that happens... Yeah, Coco Goff, you know, you look at a, a few years ago and her making a round of 16 here and think of how much better of a player she is now. She's so vastly improved. Her movement is exceptional. She serves bigger. I think she has one of the best backhands in the game and she's very mentally tough and uh, serve know, now as well. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of the game is improved. So this is definitely an opportunity for her. She was kind of close at, at making a deep run at Roland Garros and maybe the grass suits her game even better.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've got Coco going far. I don't want to jump the gun too much on her, but I do have her going extremely far. In fact, Maybe I should just say it. I've got to go on all the way to the final. Okay, um, Coco Golf I've got in the final. I'm going for more the future of tennis this year. I know Ben's going with more the old comers, the Serenas, the Kvitovas, the Kerbers, all of that sort of field doing very well. Not for me personally. I'm really encouraged by some of the young players. And I think um, Serenas looked good. I would agree. Um I just think there's a few frailties in their game. I think it was Solon and Roland Garros. I know that's not really her surface, so it's difficult to really look too much into that. She's going to be a complete different prospect on the grass courts of Wimbledon, no doubt. Um, but but let's just see how it goes. I think Coco Goff, that is the matchup we all want to see. I would love to see it. And I think she beats Serena.
0: My, my other question here is, what is more likely to happen for Wimbledon 2021 on the women's side? Do we get a first-time Grand Slam winner or do we get a repeat winner of someone who already has a major?
2: It's a really good question. I'm going for a first-time winner. I know Ben's going for a repeat, Um, so we, we differ on this one, but I'm actually expecting some new blood to win this year. I think there's a good opportunity for it. I think Coco's playing well. I think Sabalenka as well have a big serve. Um, she could. I know she's not been playing great, but maybe she's just saving her best tennis at Wimbledon. I i honestly believe she's got all the ability to be so good at this tournament, she's just not found her way yet. Um, but it, all it takes is a year, and I think we've seen with other women on the tour and Roland Garros, you wouldn't have thought Zdansek would have made it so far like she did, and some of the other names, Krajakova winning the whole thing. So it just takes like a moment of a bit of form, finding some rhythm. Ostapenko right now has looked great and it's just sort of come from nowhere. Who's to say that's not going to happen to Sabalenka um, tomorrow, is it? Or whenever she plays first um, at Wimbledon?
1: Yeah, mate, I think that is the thing that we're waiting for from Sabalenka. I mean, I went fairly conservative on my my draw picks just based on, I'm not going to say recency bias or anything like that, but I just... I haven't seen anything from Sabalenka that she hasn't got past the fourth round of a slam. It's still young. And obviously she's still growing. I would love it if she does win a slam early in her career and then just gets the ball moving. And then we could see the one of the next great stars of the, of the women's game, I think in her, but she just needs to get it over the line. She has, there's a mental side of her game as well. She gets very frustrated on the court. She starts lashing at the ball a bit and, You see her game fall apart a bit because she doesn't reset. There needs to be a reset button somewhere in Sabalenka's game. I I haven't seen that from her yet. And if it's going badly, I think it's sort of like the towel's thrown in a bit. Uh, I need to see a little bit more resolve from her.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. And she is, uh, as I said, the second seed and she'll open against uh, Monica Nic- Nicolescu in this tournament, yeah. a qualifier. And I, I think that should be a pretty comfortable first round <laughs> draw for her to maybe get gain some momentum, maybe Katie Boulter in the second round. Um, JJ, you make a good point as well. Yeah. Um, just some of these players, you know, we we don't have always the check marks of, well, we've seen a quarterfinal at a slam for them, and then they've made a semifinal, so they were ready to win. Barbara Krychikova, of course, completely came out of nowhere to win Roland Garros and, and produce a title like that. So does it matter that, well, maybe not fully out of nowhere, she was, <laughs> she was playing good clay prior, I understand, but yeah. uh, maybe does it matter that arena Sabalenka has not played a quarterfinal of a slam before Is that relevant in this discussion? Because, you know, unlike the men's side where you have a best three of five format, it's, it's the same tennis. It's best two of three. And Sabalenka has, has won so many tournaments over the past two years. Why, why would it matter if she has not made a quarter or a semi of a slam to say she, she could win this? it's a brilliant point you make.
2: I agree exactly with what you're saying it's different to the men's it's not it's the different for a start it's the same as the whole year best of three it's not best of five and i think that's why you can see maybe um some more unexpected shocks kind of thing on the men's over best of five the big the better players usually will win they find yeah. a way to win even if they go two sets down but with the women's they don't have that luxury so you are likely to see maybe a player just sort of burst on the scene if they've not been playing well uh there's no reason why they can't go and win the next the next tournament they enter. And I think that is the same case with Sabalenka. She's shown on already the other surfaces. She found a bit of rhythm on clay as well this year, which was surprising. because She's never really played too well on clay. And she's shown that in whatever tournament she is put into, she can be a threat. So that's why she is a, a massive threat for me at Wimbledon. And I think she could go far. Um, but there was just one name, I know we, you asked me at the start, who I think could be a really big threat, and that's Jabur. Um, I don't know if you had a section talking about her because I am really, I've got a lot to say about her. I'm I'm really inspired, by. I think she's awesome. And she could potentially be playing, I believe, a Sabalenka. They're on the same part of the draw um, in a quarter final, I believe. Uh, and I think that could be decisive because if Anz is to get that far, I've got her going quite far. She won a, an event on grass recently, I think, uh, in Birmingham. She then lost to only Osterpenko in Eastbourne, who obviously did so well in that tournament, took her to three sets. So, yeah, I think Anz Burr is, is a real dark horse. People need to watch out for. Um, relatively young as well and, and hungry.
0: Yeah, Anz will we'll discuss her... I think right now, because, uh, you know, first Arab woman to ever win a singles title just a couple of weeks ago, obviously a momentous um, victory there for her. And, and surely now right now she's playing some of the best tennis of her life. And she has an interesting draw as well, because if we talk about the veterans with experience who have won before. I see a potential matchup with Garbina Muguruza maybe coming in the third round. And uh, we've talked in the past couple of weeks, actually, how Garbina Muguruza early on in the season, uh, my co-host Mike and I were talking about how she looked like one of the best women's players in the world. She had been on such a phenomenal run and it almost felt like bad luck that she lost all the all that momentum kind of in the clay court season with an injury coming up. And normally I would treat her as a, as a serious threat to do damage here at Wimbledon. But uh, Ben, I, I know you like her chances, but the health must be in question because we don't have like a, a good stretch of, of, match play here.
1: Oh, you're totally right, mate. I mean, I've gone off a little bit of uh, hope really. I love watching Muguruza when she's playing her best tennis I think Jabur is the, is the tough match. If if she gets to play Jabur, I think that's going to be really telling to who goes far in this bottom side of the draw. For me, I have obviously Muguruza knocking out... Uh, I don't even have Sabalenka making the quarterfinals, which is mad. I have uh, Elena Rabakina uh, mm-hmm. be- beating her. I've been impressed with her. She's another young talent. Uh, but I think between Jabur and Muguruza, I think they will be... The, per, the winner of that match, if they play, will go far in the competition. I know that Mugritz has played only, what, three matches on grass. She beat Rabakina, which is impressive. Uh, she lost to Elise Cornet, who's not been playing badly either, but someone you'd normally suspect, expect her to beat. It's only three matches, though, and I don't think... It's, it's tough to really judge anybody on this, on this grass court swing at the moment. Some have only played one tournament. Some haven't even played a tournament. And you know what these big players are like when they get into Grand Slams. If they get a couple of wins under their belt, suddenly it all starts flooding back. Oh, yeah, I remember how to do this. Now I'm in Grand Slam mode. And some players like like Muguruza, they have Grand Slam mode in them. And they can take out a a full section of a draw and make a semi-final potentially.
2: Yeah. With her, though, I'm not sure if it's really so much a dip in form. I think it's just probably more to do with an injury because, like you said, Ben, the start of the year, she was one of the best players in the world, no doubt. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. I think that match against Osaka like in, um, was it the Australian Open, if she would have won that, I think she would have won the whole thing, if I'm honest. No. That, was, that was like the final before the final. Yeah. Um, There was so much pinned on that match. And the craziest thing is, because she was like, her seeding was so far down. She was just someone you did not want to play. The women's seeds didn't didn't really add up at the time. And Muguruza was just so far down the rankings. It was crazy that she was being playing against these top players early doors. and She was just beating them all as well. Um, It just was a bit unfair. But Muguruza, I think, is an injury thing for me. It's not really a dip in form. If if she's feeling a bit more confident in her body, she can definitely have a claim to win the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, now... Seeded eleventh, so I, I think that's probably a little bit better in matching her form compared to where she was, obviously at the start of the season. We'll talk about our Canadians on, on the women's side, and we have two in the singles draw. And for me, they both have very difficult draws. Bianca Andrescu, we've we've discussed at large on this podcast of just wanting to see like a stretch of matches where she can gain a bit of momentum. Tough break at Roland Garros, she loses to eventual semifinalist Tamara Zidansek nine seven in the third. Grass court season started off rocky as well, losing to Elise Cornet. And, and sure enough, that's her first round opponent. Uh, Elise Cornet capable of good tennis on grass. And and Bianca, we basically haven't seen any tennis on grass from her dating back to, you know, almost junior days. So uh, again, I, I think this is a scenario if she survives that first round match, maybe she gets a bit of momentum and suddenly she's in a round of 16. But it's, it's very tough to say, but I think Both of you know, as well as anybody, what Bianca is capable of when she gets hot. We saw it all in 2019.
1: Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. It's all about this first match. And that you've hit the nail on the head uh unfortunately in my draw prediction i've gone with Cornet to knock her out though uh based upon her form so far she lost to counter V in straight sets as well uh, obviously another great player great uh on the t- women's tour she's another potential threat to this tournament as well that people aren't talking about enough i think that andreescu it's a it must be a confidence thing as well though for her because she can't let the losses stack up it, i think the press get so much onto her obviously she's a grand slam champ now there's no you can't get away from the press mm-hmm. and everyone expects the world from you every time you. there's a grand slam i, I just don't I haven't seen anything from her on the grass to give me confidence that she can go far that's the problem uh, i would love to see it she's one of my favorite women's players in the game but i just don't know if it's on grass that's the thing yeah, no, I think
2: no. I've got a bit more love for BB, if I'm honest, than Ben. Okay. Um, I love her. I'm, a, I'm addicted to her. I think she's awesome. Um, <laughs> if I'm honest, I think it's a tough draw. Like you said, it couldn't really get much worse, considering the fact that she's playing against you've got a Leila Fernandez in that same little group, another Ostopenko. Canadian, and Ostapenko <laughs> is the big name. And, and an unseeded Ostapenko Fernandez and an unseeded Tom Janovic. it just doesn't look great. It really doesn't. I think it's so tricky. The players here, it seems very stacked. And I've got Andreescu going maybe to face an Ostapenko, But I'm not sure if she can beat her because that's that's the big one for me. I would love to have put Andreescu all, all the way through to maybe the quarterfinals. I'm just not so sure. She's not won. Has she not won a match on grass? One match against McHale. McHale, in, uh, yeah.
1: Eastbourne, And it was in three sets as well.
2: Yeah, so it's just, you've got to be realistic. She's just not done it. And I think she's just going for a rough patch, but she's young. Uh, I think people have been a bit dismissive of her, I must admit. I want to take this opportunity to talk about that because I think, people are jumping on a on a case a little bit. And you've got to realise, a bit like with Iga Swiatek at Roland Garros, everyone's saying, oh, she needs to be winning this. They're young. They need to, you're not going to just all of a sudden be a champion straight away. They've shown that they can win Grand Slams, these, these young players, but it's going to take some time. There's always going to have a, maybe a few years of adjusting and just sort of growing into your body and, Changes happening and dips in form and things in your personal life. They're human beings as well. And I'm still expecting BB to be the champion, which we know she was when she beat yeah. Serena in that final. And I'm expecting big things from her. I just don't think it's now. I don't yeah. think 2021's is right, the, the right year for her.
0: Mate, yeah, look, section. Sorry, go it, on, Ben. No, it's, it's a brutal section. And as you said, I think with Bianca, we have kind of been missing the growing pains of actually results on court all of it was off court missing 15 months of tennis because of yep. injuries. And she, she was just out. She, she missed all of 2020 and kind of recognizing that it wouldn't be a, a straight line up when she returned in 2021. And still the fact that she's produced some nice results in 2021, making the Miami open final, I think was incredible for her. Um, and I, I think it should be probably understandable that she would hit a wall at some point and, and suffer a few tough losses and, and, yeah, as you said, this is a very difficult draw for her, that first round against Elise Corne. I don't know if this is the time that she'll gain momentum. We'll have to see. Nothing ever uh, surprises me with Bianca. Uh, you know, if she's in the quarterfinals here, I won't be stunned either. Uh, but very difficult draw. Maybe this isn't the moment. Um, in that same corner of the draw, as you mentioned, Yelena Ostapenko just coming off title. And she'll play Leila Fernandez. Um, Layla, another exciting talent, obviously, that we have here very difficult draw as well, but I, I will point out she played some good tennis in, in Birmingham the other week and the opponent she lost to, on Jabir, she lost to Jabur 7-6 in the third set. So mm. I, I think we could have a very competitive first round matchup with Elena Ostapenko. And uh, if Fernandez can disrupt her game and, you know, uh, sort of kind of get Ostapenko off her rhythm and the errors start flying. You never know. This could be an upset opportunity.
1: Oh, mate. I totally agree with you. Uh, this is one, one player who I'm massively high. And I know that we, jG's massively big on Andreescu and she's sort of a proven talent already. Leila Fernandez. There's still, that's another person, not enough people in the media talking about her. She's only 18. She has so much potential, uh, not just on hard courts as well. she, On this grass, she's looking great. I think it suits her game down to the ground. And Ostapenko, she's sometimes misfiring. And sometimes we say on our podcast, if someone's just won a tournament going into uh, another tournament, they might lose their first match of the tournament. It's happened multiple occasions. And uh, the only person who sort of threw that out the window was Barbara (laughs) Krajikova. She's sort of... uh, it's an unhidden but...
2: rule we have on game to love. You win a yeah. tournament, the next tournament, you go out first round. <laughs> yeah. But Barbara Karajakova killed that altogether. So now we can't say it anymore. I
1: think she's an exception to the rule, Barbara, because <laughs> she has such an efficient game style that it, she can play. She won the doubles as well. She could play She could play a mixed doubles. She could have already done all of the, anything on that Roland Garros week. She could have played 10 hours a day and she'd still be fine. She's just efficient. She's super fit and she doesn't have a strenuous game type uh, I th- but to go back to Fernandez it's somebody I'm um, when we're doing these draw previews I'm always pushing her through the draw she hasn't got that far through a lot of the draws recently but I'm always super hyped to see her because I know that she I think she got to the final in was it Acapulco I played Heather Watson I believe mm-hmm. and the fact that she even got to the final in a WTA event, uh, was that last year or was it year? It was last year. Beginning yeah. of last year. Yeah. I was just super impressed that she was even in the final already of, an, of a WTA event. So I, I just thought from that moment on, this is one girl to watch. And I hope that there's going to be a breakout tournament for her at some point. Maybe it's Wimbledon.
0: Who knows? Who knows? A uh, very difficult first round against Elena Ostapenko. But right. I, I think that's a tough first round for both of them, honestly. Yes. Um, and, and one of those matches, which of course could go either way. Um, we'll do big picture here. Your semi-finalists and then maybe who you have in the finals for the women's draw. We'll start with you, JG. So semi-finalists. Um,
2: yeah, mine are a bit crazy. I'm going to just give you a warning. <laughs> Yeah, So <laughs> my semi-finalist from the top, I've actually got uh, Yelena Ostapenko going all the way. I think she's just looking great. And what's inspired me, I know with her, Ben was talking about the unforced errors and she's a capable of really misfiring. Is She sort of acknowledged that in a in a recent interview. And she was saying she doesn't have to hit the ball as hard as what she did then because she can still, if she takes a bit off the ball and not, doesn't lever it so hard, She's still able to hit plenty of winners and have it a little bit more controlled. And I think that's what she's been doing recently. I was watching it. And it, wasn't, it didn't seem to be the same ball striking as before, but then she wasn't making as many errors. And it was just seemed to be consistent, solid, great tennis. And I honestly think she's going to just run, continue that. She's in the UK playing great at the moment. She's going to be having a few days rest and she's going to keep going. I think she's going to be great. So she's my first finalist at the top. I've then got Coco Goff, as I was saying, playing her at the top of the thing. I've got her beating Serena Williams. I think this is her year. I really do. I think she's going to have a big breakout. And like you said, her backhand's awesome. The fans are going to be supporting her as well, no doubt. We don't really have too many British hopefuls. I think they're going to get more behind Coco Goff. Um, do you want to do your top one as well, Ben? Then maybe I'll just do my bottom one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I've gone got the same same lady, uh, Ostapenko. I, I, it's just form based it's recency bias what more can you say that's uh, uh I've got her playing Serena Williams I think Serena Williams is going to make it through if she gets past Coco Goff I think uh, it's off to the races for Serena Williams she gets going it's going to be hard to stop her and guaranteed if you're not British if you're Serena Williams the crowd's going to be on your side. Uh, all these big players, they get help through the draw as well as the British players. So I don't think she's got any British players on the on the route there. Potentially Joe Conter, but I don't see Joe Conter troubling Ostapenko if they meet each other in the quarters because Joe Conter she hates power players. They she gets blasted off the court a lot of
2: the time by them. So yep.
1: anyway, that's my top. Ostapenko, Serena Williams.
2: Yeah, and my bottom one is going to be Onsjabur Sabalenka. Uh, I've been bigging up Onsjabur. Mas- oh, no, sorry, it's not Onsjabur. That's the round before. Apologies. I've got Kovitova. Kovitova Sabalenka. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah. Someone we've not really talked spoke about too much this podcast, and I think we should be, considering she's one at Wimbledon. Um, and just, although I've not put much experience through, she's one I have put through. And I think her draw is, is quite nice, if I'm honest. There's a few tricky ones along the way, which is to be expected, but I don't like the, she's in the same section kind of thing as Karolina Pliskova, eighth Seed. I'm not a big fan of her. In fact, I'm not very nice to her a lot of the time on the podcast. I think she doesn't always show up, especially at at the Grand Slam levels. Um, So I fancy Kvitova to go very far and get to a semi-final. And then she's going to be playing Sabalenka. So I've got uh, some youth in there as well. And I think I've said enough about Sabalenka. She's, certainly capable of doing it
0: yeah and certainly Kvitova of course is capable 2011-2014 winner and and she played well the week coming into this tournament too she made the semifinals and, and Kerber I believe beat her in a third set tie break so yep. she looks to be in form I, I felt bad for her at Roland Garros because I thought she could have got going there but was stopped by an injury so maybe this is an opportunity for her to make a run I'll give you my semifinals as well I, I lean Serena Williams to be Coco Goff in, in that big matchup, if it happens, and and took her to my semifinal. And here's my kind of mix-up pick. I have Annette Contavite in uh Ooh in the semifinals as well. Hmm. Um, I I think she's in great form. And uh, Ben, as you said earlier, a player that maybe isn't being talked about enough, but just, just made a final last week. She's playing great tennis. And then on the other side, I have arena Sabalenka as well. And this one is a bit off the board, but she beat arena Sabalenka last week. She's been to a grand slam final before is Madison keys. Um, Her power game. If she gets hot, you never know. She could make a run at a grand slam. So those are my, my semifinalists, and And I'll leave it at that. I like it, mate. Yeah. uh, I've got
1: the uh, Maddox and Keys as well, mate, going to the quarters. So, okay. Okay. Kvitova and Muguruts is my other semi final.
0: Oh, nice. All right. Uh we'll, we'll, we'll see how uh, badly we flop on our picks here. <laughs> well, <I'm sure. laughs> One week through the women's side is uh, incredibly challenging, but that's what makes it so interesting. Uh, JG and Ben, thanks so much uh, for joining me on the podcast. Uh, this week was, was great to have you guys on for a nice full Wimbledon preview covering both sides. I uh, appreciate your insights and uh, anytime you guys want to have me back on or vice versa, happy to do it. Mate, awesome yeah we would
2: love to have you back on uh, it's always good talking to you we feel like we get the inside scoop with canadian tennis <laughs> um so yeah great yeah mate it's been an absolute pleasure as always
1: and uh, all the best to the canadians in the draw
0: i uh, hope they go far mate oh we appreciate that you've been listening to Matchpoint canada we will talk to you next time